Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me as always, uh, who needs LL Cool J to introduce him? Well, he's got me. It's Luke Holmes. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see that shit live. I'm so glad I missed it. <laughs> How are we doing? Not too bad. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's I don't want to seven, watch it. It's a seven-minute video. Yeah, I don't want to watch it. I saw the first five names on TikTok, and I was like, yeah, oh, God. The star from Japan or something like that. You can say, oh, God, it's, it's just so so American, isn't it? So bad. Yeah, there was a couple of, there was a couple of ones that were like that. Uh, it was... To be, to be honest now, I will say this. The orchestra from Will I Am was actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, the intros went too long. Ah, it's... They, they it was too long. The USA race, for God's sake. Yeah. The thing is what they should have... They actually... The first one was actually better. The uh, the one in 2017 when they had the two drivers come out. Yeah, that's that's better. Because that's quicker. And you, you still need flipping... Like in, like in basketball, like when you announce this, like it's it's five starters. Like it's, it's, it's over and done with fairly quickly. Like to do one by one for 20 drivers was a little... Little much. A little bit much. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so there there were thoughts from the drivers on that whole thing. Uh, I may as well actually go over this now, uh, since we're since we're here. Um, I mean, as you can probably imagine, a lot of people were not for this. No, I'm not surprised. Basically, everyone was against uh, to do. I mean, from the race and uh, Josh Sutherland's Scott Mitchell man. Um, none of us drivers liked it. Was what Lando Norris said. Uh, but it's not for us at the end of the day. Uh, to, to do Alonso he's not a big fan of these kind of things just before the race uh, if we have to do it I think we need to remove some of the other stuff we're doing like the parade lap or something because it's really in the middle of preparation with engineers and strategy meeting mm. that's what he said uh, Bottas said there's no other sport where athletes do so much stuff before the race for the start of the race or event there needs to be a limit at some point um, and then Russell was like Russell didn't like it either but would you like to guess which driver did like it oh imagine my Shock when I say it's Lewis Hamilton. Oh well, surprise! You're absolutely bang on. Of course you did. Um, you said no. I think it was great. I love the sun when he laughed off and people talk about drivers being in the sun for too long. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was a fan of it. Uh, I think everyone else basically did not like it. Um, I couldn't find a single other comment from another driver that wasn't Hamilton who didn't who enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, there we go. But I will say, yeah, the Will I Am um, orchestrated thing was pretty. Pretty neat, I will say that much. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll talk more things Miami Grand Prix in a moment. Uh, Certainly down after a back-to-back, we've got one week off and then we've got a triple header to come. So, hooray, should be fun. Content. Hooray. Uh, a little bit of clean-up, though, from Baku. One thing in particular to clean up from Baku, obviously the main talking point afterwards was the whole uh, Ocon near-miss uh, situation. Oh, well, uh, if you didn't see that, by the way, please go and watch the clip to understand what we're on about here. It was mad. Uh but also so stupidly avoidable because it was so blatantly obvious he was going to pit. Mm, yeah. Anyway, uh, naturally the uh, yeah the FIA and the stewards have uh, had a, have a convening and they've decided on a little uh, some some other protocols for this to prevent something like this happening again. By the way, speaking of, uh, literally about five minutes before recording this, we started recording this. I got a notification on Sky Sports from Sky Sports. Um, it's about another near miss that I actually didn't see, 
with Lando Norris coming into the pit lane, barely avoiding someone walking across the pit lane during the race. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so fun. Anyway, uh, this is what the stewards said. I'm reading from motorsport.com and Adam Cooper. Uh, do, 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 do. The stewards noted, we walked through the relevant procedures and protocol with the FI representatives in detail and required them to take immediate steps to reconsider these procedures and protocols with the relevant stakeholders, including FOM, the teams, and the FIA, to ensure that the situation does not occur again. The FIA representatives expressed their regret at what happened and assured us that they would do so in time for the next event. Now, just, just one of the funnier things I've ever seen in my life. The FIA were under, like, what was it? Was it the stewards or the FIA or F1 were under investigation? The themselves. FIA, I believe. <laughs> the FIA were investigating themselves. It was really strange. <laughs> Accountability, right? Yeah. Uh, FIA noted, team mechanics are not permitted to move from their garages to park for May with cooling fans in anticipation of their car stopping at the end of the race until the last car has taken the checkered flag. Any other personnel or VIPs are not permitted to enter the pit lane until after the last car has taken the checkered flag. Any infringement will result in removal of passes from the team, teams, in question from subsequent events and potential reporting of infringing teams to the stewards. Hmm. Um, to be honest, I didn't think the mechanics with the cooling fans was the issue. No. Uh, it was the whole, I thought it was more like FIA and F1 for getting the barrier and stuff and place and markers yeah. and photographers and um because i was it was pretty clear that the the everyone pulls up after you know the cars have pulled in with the fans and such yeah, yeah of course they're, they're not there waiting for them so to speak no so i don't know I found that a little strange so we'll see what happens with that and i'm sure the, yes the norris thing will be looked at as well yes i've just literally just seen the club you, the yeah. guys just strolling <laughs> across the pit lane like it's it's nothing. somewhat like you're somewhat blind it'll be coming around the corner but it's it's a life pit yeah, lane yeah I don't understand why that pit lane's like that it's really, they could literally make it straight line yeah it's so awkward so I'm sure that didn't help either but I'm sure I mean uh, yeah it would have been hard to hear because you're hearing other cars anyway yeah it was mm. just one of those um, there's a really interesting article on Ed, the race.com from Ed Straw um, because this has been a topic a bit like it's been five races in it's not been the season I think we were expecting in terms of, I guess, yeah. spectacle. And there's no, a great piece. The there's a great piece on the race for Ed Straw about why the racing, five reasons why the racing is worse in 2023. So you have, did you uh, see this at all? or I did not see this. So five reasons. I'm going to go through one, each of them here with you um, and we'll talk about it. The first one, aero development, aero, aero development means it's too, already too hard to follow again. So yeah. they break this down into the theory, the driver's view, and the racer's view. So the theory uh, is written here by Estrada. The primary aim of the regulations was to reduce the outwash effect that creates the dirty air that is such an impediment to F1 cars following closely. But the aerodynamic tricks that create that outwash are good for, for, for performance. So it is inevitable that as teams work to find ways around the rules, attempts to limit them, dirty air would start to reappear. Hmm. So this is what Russell said. Obviously, F1 created these regulations to help overtaking and following since they were introduced. Every single team has developed naturally away from their uh, initial intention to develop the car. So every car is very different compared to, uh, to what, let's say, they were intended to look like two years ago. The overtake is slowly getting more difficult, also because the slipstream isn't as large as well with these new cars. So it's slowly going in the wrong direction for overtaking. So It was always going to go that way, I think. It was always going to be 
the I, I was talking to my friend yesterday because he was like the race wasn't the best in terms of overtaking. I was like, to be fair, it was a lot better than what Baku was. But the actual whole thing is that the, the, these new regulations is always going to be teams finding little loopholes here where they can sort of expose more downforce, and it's it's always just going to be the more and more we go on with these regs, they're going to find new things, and it, it's it's just going to reduce overtaking no matter what they do, pretty much until they change the cars again. Yeah, I, I know they've tried to get on top of, you know, innovation to get on top of this. Like, uh, for instance, the Aston Martin rear wing from last year. Uh, but there, there's going to have to be some 2019 kind of style of change where something is uh, either more clearly defined or yeah. something to knock off the arrow to make cars easier to follow. I, it's gonna, I well, have to imagine that it's going to be something similar to 2019. You, you know what you could do? <laughs> Yes. Go back to uh, the TD and remove that and take and lower the cars again. Oh, know. that'd be nice. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Mercedes, for ruining the overtaking. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, I, job well done. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a... Heck, I wouldn't even be surprised if, like, maybe for 25 or something, they maybe decided to do something like that if this problem continues to go in this direction. I, I think if we get to the mid-season, it's the same problem if something will be changed. It's possible, like even I not not I was, like major, just like minor tweaks. Oh yeah, it'll be, rules, it will be yeah. minor, just to yeah, like 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 when I say twenty nineteen, I mean like the obviously to simplify the front wing. To, yes. To try and limit the wash, and that that I think that did improve yeah, things that somewhat. Worked. Obviously, the cars themselves were flawed from twenty seventeen, so there was, there was only so much they could do. But yeah, I think that there's some sort of change is going to have to be made when it comes to that because yeah, it's just yeah, I think. Obviously, teams will get more and more aero, and then the problem does dead to zero. Yeah, it's, it's always going to happen. As the more and more time we get with these particular regs, the teams are going to find new fancy bits they can slap on that we're always going to sort of not been in mind when the rules were made. And mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to happen. It's, it's happened in the last well three re regs we've done. So new regs, sorry, not re regs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's one aspect. Another aspect: tires are overheating. Huh. The theory. And in Pirelli here again. <laughs> Drivers are reporting that the latest iterations of Prey's F1 tyre is too prone to overheating when closely following another car, while also not degrading enough in all circumstances to create performance variation. And Carlos Sainz said, It's surface overheating especially. It's a thing that as soon as you're behind a car, you lose a bit of traction, a bit of braking grip, you start slipping the tyre, and that extra slip means the, the next corner you have less grip, the next corner you have a bit less grip, and you're only able to follow for one or two laps before you have to, then you have to back off. Mm. So... That's another aspect of it, and we all look. We all know the tire is shite. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, so, they're all terrible. They're so bad. It's just so bad. Uh, here's a great point. I think is probably exaggerating this whole tire thing. Red Bull is too fast. Everyone else is too close. Yes. Red Bull's performance advantage is such that it can overtake everyone else easily. The other teams are now so closely matched. There's not enough performance variation between them to overtake each other. Mm. Fernando Alonso said this is Formula 1 so it has always been like this and he's like, like this he's talking about a single team domination it had been years of Hamilton and Bottas first and second in the past Vettel and Weber. if you have the fastest car you can start a little bit behind and you're maybe still making some moves and overtaking and if you're any other car we're all within one tenth or whatever so wherever you qualify if you're still more or less secure in that position there are not many overtaking moves after lap 1 or 2 or 3 if you remove the Red Bull sometimes within 6 tenths, you go from P3 to P16 in Q1 to eventually finish qualifying in the order that you deserve. Then the race, how would you overtake if you are just half a tenth quicker? 
it's more or less uh, it's more or less your natural order i think that's the main reason and i think he's absolutely bang on in that yeah. regard because like how exciting would this title be if it was mercedes Rebels ferrari are, aston martin and then the occasional sprinkling of alpine or mclaren mm. when the track depending it is literally so, just because Red Bull are so dominant that it's creating yeah, this little, this obviously, some, this exa- it's ex- exaggerating the problem here. It's 2019 all over again, basically. In terms of you've got one car that's so far in front and the rest are sort of up and down and all over the place. Mm, 2020 is a good example of that as well mm. uh, with Mercedes there. The and like we what what Lance described like it was literally the case in Baku where you had Science Russell Stroll basically all together like they and Hamilton as well in the same kind of mix, you know they were all just as quick as each other but because they were so tight it was yeah it was impossible really to actually get done and obviously then you you've got to take account of the tire stuff as well when you're behind that you know behind that close behind. Hmm. I leads to the, the fourth point here where it says DRS zones are being shortened. That is yeah, that, 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 that's it's another kettle of fish. In both Baku and Miami, DRS zones are being shortened for the length in length for 2023. Drivers are convinced that, that was a major factor in the flatness of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. While few are outright fans of DRS and its easy passes as a concept, if it's going to exist, they want it to be more usable and they feel that shortened zones aren't sufficient, uh, aren't sufficient now turbulent air is more problematic again. And Pierre Gassi said, this year, it is generally more difficult to follow. The cars are going faster. There's more air development going on, always pushing it further and further. And the more you push it, the more difficult it becomes to follow. That size probably reducing the DRS. So that probably, that size probably reducing. So reducing DRS won't help it. We're now, we're in favor of keeping the DRS from last year, clearly not reducing it. And there's another piece uh, from Keith Collentine and RJ O'Connell on uh, racefans.net talking about how drivers would rather it be too easy than boring. Yeah, it's there needs to be a middle ground, isn't there? The, mm. the, the shortening just a bit too much, I think. It's um, it's hard to say because I'd like obviously they're going off the data of what they see last year instead of sort of seeing how the first few races go at the start of this year and then going right, we need to shorten this and mm-hmm. what have you. But now I, I hope they sort of realise that it um needs to uh, change because they can't keep reducing it like the way they are. Yeah. Uh, and the last point on this list, this this five, less nimble cars make creative overtaking harder. And the theory is cars get, getting getting heavier and setups get stiffer to maximize the ground effect downforce. The scope for using curves aggressively when taking alternative lines to set up passing moves is decreasing. And Max Verstappen said, because of the stiffness of the cars, how you have to run them, it takes a little bit of that magic away, especially on a street circuit where you have to, when you can ride a curb here, so and there, here and there. So that probably is a bit tough around Baku. But also around Singapore, that makes it very hard. It's just the weight increase. When you jump in an old car, you go out, you definitely feel a difference in how agile an old car is. But that's like early 2010, and before that, they were even lighter. So I don't know how we could solve that. Also, the bigger wheels are uh, get, uh, quite a bit heavier as well. That, for me, goes in the wrong direction. But I don't know what we can do about turning it around. It's, it's hard, isn't it, to sort of say what they can do at this point. It's tough. Like there, We talked about it last year, but it's mentioned here. Um, FIA's plans to tackle this in terms of weight. One of the stated aims for the 2026 rules overhaul is to make cars lighter and smaller, or at least contain the growth, but won't be transformative. The FIA has identified around 35 kilograms as the weight-saving opportunity once essential mass is accounted for. While shaving some of that off will be an improvement, it's hard to see F1 ever returning to lightweight cars of the first decade of the 21st century. You know what you could do? Mm. Stop making the tyres fucking heavier <laughs> and bigger when they don't need to be bigger. 
the real the real problem is why cars have gone so heavy is the engines. Yeah, that's that's Lots like of electricals and all this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very very complicated set of kit, obviously. So it's always gonna by removing the MGU H, is it that we're losing, or is it MGUK? H, I don't believe. Yeah, it's the H. That will save quite a bit of uh, a money and b weight. So those are the five points. I thought they were very good points, uh, but I do think the one that's probably the two I think I would take away is the aero and Red Bull's dominance. Kind of, yeah, kind of exaggeration. The uh, the whole issue. Uh, speaking of Red Bull, uh, there's been an in- there's an interesting kind of uh, exchange over the weekend. It's been rumored that there are some Red Bull people going towards Ferrari. Uh, yes, and obviously we've got the Lauren Mecky stuff going on as well between technically Red Bull and. Ferrari as well. Uh, Christian Horner said that he called it a hostage. Ex- sorry, a hostage exchange, mm. um, uh, so to speak. But he said it doesn't involve any high-level personnel. Like it was in was it Balbo and another top Red Bull guy that they were they've been with the team for years, and that was all pretty much squashed. Mm. It's more like mid-level employees, if anything. Yeah, um, and he tends to correct Pierre Wash as well was one of those. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so Horner said, will there be a hostage exchange for Laurent Mekis? Well, we don't have any hostages. In terms of personnel moving to Ferrari, certainly a senior or medium level, there's nothing planned. Individuals that have been mentioned in connection with Ferrari came to see me last week and mentioned their disbelief in some of these rumours. But you know, it's Formula 1, and that will inevitably happen, but there's no plans for any senior members of our team to be joining Maranello. Uh, it's all coming off the back. Uh, so it's also on the same weekend that Red Bull and Adrian Newey reportedly came to an extension as well. A longer term extension too, which is a little bit of a surprise, I thought. Considering his age, yes. Yeah. But I think as soon as the team starts dipping down on the success, then, and then he'll tip and retire. Yeah. Pos- yeah, because like, he's been, he's been doing he this for... Yeah. He's, what, 30 years? Four years? It's getting close to 40, I believe. I think he's 80 yeah. when he started. Hmm. I can't remember what team he started at though. Like Forty years, man. I know. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, yeah, and actually, like seeing his success now, it's amazing how nothing really. I mean, he got. I mean, it did work out for him. Like he did win some stuff, I believe, at McLaren. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's surprising how he didn't get more out of that operation. No, is it McLaren's operation has been a bag of shit for donkey's years? Yeah, I guess. And I take it you've seen who they've bought back in a, in a consultancy room. Oh, yeah, good old Gilles de Ferran. Oh, God. Um, it won't be, unlike his last stint at McLaren, won't be distracted by the fact that Stoffel van Dorn is, uh, I believe, either married or dating his daughter, <laughs> <laughs> which he was at the time, I remember, back in 2017. Uh, yeah, good old Gilles de Ferran. I was actually talking about that with Alex Pillow over the weekend, actually, who was around. Don't you mean um, Pato? Uh, the, the, on the sky graph on the graphic, they uh, incorrectly no. Him oh, yeah. no, and he looked at it, and then they had to go back and redo it. Oh. <laughs> and they looked at the camera and smiled and put his thumbs up. I think it was an FP one. Oh dear! Ow! Uh, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. poor. Jambos. Poor Alex. And then Pat, Pat, of them, Pato tweeted. F one was like, "Yeah, I'm here," and he's on a beach because it was his birthday. <laughs> Brilliant! I loved it. Um, plenty of festivities over headed by the Miami Grand Prix, though. Uh, plenty of special helmets. What was your favorite of them? There was three. 
I could I couldn't pick one day I like one and then another day I like another. Mm-hmm. But the three standouts was Norris's Beach Ball. That was nice. I really, yeah, I really like that one. Science's um, darker helmet. I really yeah, like that. Yeah, that was very nice. And then Max's. Yeah, Verstappen's is gorgeous. I loved Verstappen's one. Science's one grew on me. I have to say that was very very nice. It's absolutely beautiful. I did like Charlie Leclerc's one. Yeah, yeah, so did I. With yeah. the palm leaves. Um, Sonoda going for a, like a kind of the the leaves on his helmet were in pink and blue. Obviously, the Alpines looked quite well. Uh, obviously, it's Ocon more so than Gasly. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, Albon's golf ball one. That was that was great, yeah. Yeah. Um, wasn't particularly fussed on Sargent's one. Um, I didn't even see it. And because I did not see qualifying this weekend, it's the first qualifying session I've missed in like what seven years. <laughs> so bad. Uh, and then the Hulkenbergs. Well, actually, I sent you a link here, um, so you can have a go. Uh, Hulkenbergs. I like. I like Hulkenbergs. I wasn't sure on the Hulkenbergs one. It was minimal, but that's what I like. I don't know. Normally, he's got great ones. I wasn't. I. I wasn't a massive fan of this one. I don't know what it was. The side is nice. I just didn't like the top view on the onboard. I don't know. It was just a little weird, a little odd one. But anyway, I sent it to you there. If you find them, oh, yeah, I'm on it. Uh, yeah, some some plenty of festivities, yeah, yeah. plenty of celebrities. Like it was a genuinely a, good event. Yeah, t- take out the American flag of off of Logan's, and I think you've got a winner. It's not too bad. It's like the Miami like highlights and stuff, but the American flag does not need to be there. Hmm. And you take away the Hulk in the side of Hulkenbergs, and I like it. Yeah. But like, is very nice. The drivers they love this venue. F one loves this venue, and it loves it. I think like it's it was a, it's a great setup. Like I think it's a it's a fantastic place. Oh, to it's, be. It's, 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 it's this if this if Vegas is anything like this, then mm-hmm. we're on to a real winner in yeah. terms of uh, two hundred seventy thousand people. It's said, mm. which is mental. But like the facilities are gorgeous. The area is gorgeous, and this is upgraded facilities based on last year. As yeah, well. they made them a lot better. No, not as much fake water this time. <laughs> That's right. Um, there is there's an article on mostpro.com from John Noble. Uh, Miami's in talks F1 of this becoming a night race. Yeah. That would be a vibe. That would be a vibe. The only issue I see is timing. Yes. Because timing would be, bearing in mind it started at what, half past eight for us? Yes. So if you wanted to make it a night race, you're talking like a midnight start. Yeah, you have to. You'd be yeah. Well, even later because like Sorry, what, what times the sun goes down? Like it's so much later now. It's we're in May. Like the the clocks have obviously changed. You know what they'll do? They'll make the USA races a triple header. <laughs> the Vegas night race, Cota, and then <laughs> Miami. Yeah, uh, it would be stupidly late. Like if you're talking about sunset and the sun, like it's dark at like nine, ten o'clock. You know, then five hours mm. later, like it is going to be very, like it's going to, you'd have to maybe shift it to what the Vegas timetable is. Yeah, you would have to because it would just be so late. It'll be too late. But saying that, like nearly Tuesday for Australians. Oof. <laughs> That'd be, yeah, it would be. Crazy. That's the thing. It would be like very close to the early hours of Tuesday. Yeah, that'd be mad. Uh, anyway, though we move then on to the Miami Grand Prix itself, it was one that yeah. was uh, yeah. was won eventually by Max Verstappen to have his teammate Sergio Perez with Fernando Alonso rounding at the podium in the third, George Russell fourth, Carlos Sainz fifth, Lewis Hamilton sixth, Charlie Leclerc seventh, Pierre Gasly eighth, to have his teammate Esteban Ocon in ninth, and Kevin Magnussen rounding at the points in tenth. Now, uh, to do, I will say this: 
things were set up very nicely for the race. It was kind of a different kind of jumbled mm. up grid because we had this conundrum in uh, in qualifying where obviously uh, we got the well both Mercedes should have been knocked out in Q two. Uh, between I think Hulkenberg kind of stuffed his lap a little bit and Russell got a reprieve certainly. So, but Hamilton did get knocked out pretty easily oh. too, P thirteen. Then in qual, so then in quali three, you had the first lap set. You people who didn't set laps because they had new set of tires, uh, only had one one run in them for Q three, and then red flag was brought out when someone who messed up on their first lap, Charlie Leclerc, uh, went off a turn six or is it seven. Six, I believe. Uh, turn six, not for the first time this week. Uh, this weekend, he went off. I, uh, you could, t- he kind of. The thing is, I was on this the first time in a while. I actually don't really go on board. Like, I don't, I don't go on board a ton in qualifying because it's, it's very messy switching from camera to camera between people on on laps and off laps. But this weekend, I decided to go back into it. I was on board with a clerk's lap. He got a little bit deep into turn one, so immediately I, I knew he's going to be pushing to try and make some of that back up, and that's what it looked like. And then, sure enough, went a little bit too much over the curb and. And a crash. I knew it was coming. Like it was just, I knew because he'd gone a little bit deep. And like obviously he was, it was kind of desperation mode. It kind of kicked in a little bit. Uh, anyway, he crashed and that brought out the red flag, which meant basically anyone on the lap uh, who didn't get the lap in the first time or uh, messed it up like Verstappen did uh, basically was out of position. And we had this situation where Perez on pole and Verstappen the ninth. Yes, but I, I do think we need to have the chat again about um, if you cause a red flag, then your lap time should be getting deleted. So yeah. you should be starting tenth, basically. Yeah. I, or you would start back at the bottom of wherever, whatever session you're in, personally, because Charles binned it and started ahead of the people that didn't get a chance to start a lap. Or you know, I mean, mm. it's, it's, I don't think it's very fair. We also just had people well out. Like we had Science in third, we had Magnussen in fourth, Russell somehow in fifth, I think, when he had no right to be anywhere near that high base of what we'd seen in Q two. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Verstappen was well down. The clerk obviously there as well. So, like, uh, I think poor Bottas got through the Q three. I think for the first time this season, or yeah, and didn't did. get lap time in because uh, mm. didn't. Uh, yeah. So the, I also we had the situation with Lance Stroll. You got knocked down Q one because Aston Martin wanted to try and get through unused tires. Now, oh, is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what it was. So you can do that with Fernando Alonso. You can't do that with Lance Stroll. Like, no. As someone who's Unless lit- they are literally a scrub set, and I mean they've literally been out for an in-lap and an out-lap. That's it. Yeah. But, like, you can't do that with Lance Stroll, who's notoriously bad getting knocked out in Q1 with competitive machinery at times. Which is weird to say qualifying, I would say, his, I would have said was his forte back in the junior days, but nowadays it is literally the complete opposite. He He's got knocked out in Q1 so many times. He was always better yeah. in the races, I thought. Yeah. It was, in the junior form, it was the opposite. Mm. It was better. Weird. Anyway, so he was like down in 17th or 16th or 18th or something like that. So that was fun. Uh, so the, yeah, we did count to that where a lot of people were out of place and out of, you know, out of, out of phase. We, that did lead to some interesting strategies. So some guys staring on the hards. Uh, ultimately, though, it was that stint for Verstappen, that hard stint. He started on hards from ninth. Was able mm. to make his way up through the field. And yeah, put in some apps. The the latter part of his, um, the kind of middle part, the latter part of his hard since put in some absolutely great laps. Where he almost extended the lead again to Checo on uh, newer hards. And really, that was that part of the race that probably won the race for Verstappen. Yeah, basically that that stint was killer and very key to making that strategy work. I think I don't think Perez really had the pace to really match Max on that when it was in that stint and. Perez had better tires as well. It's really, mm. really strange how 
the softs basically died after two laps. We had the, basically the same situation as, as Baku. The mediums can do about 20, and then the hards could pretty much do 50 laps. It's so stupid. <laughs> I know. Where, where's the balance, man? Where's the balance? I think Sargent went to the end from pinning on lap one. Yeah, yeah but he, he he screwed his own race, so... Yeah, but like, it's just to your point, like, the, yeah, the balance. It's, it's, it's so stupid. Uh, I will say, to be fair, though, with Perez versus uh, Verstappen, I, I didn't feel a lot of confidence with Perez because he didn't really... Verstappen just looked in a different league compared to Perez this weekend. So yeah. it was... Yeah. I I knew... I kind of had a sense that Verstappen would kind of come through and win. Just be, his, only, his, only, his only real obstacle was just getting through the traffic and a possible safety car. And But like Perez didn't bolt away from the fields. That was the thing. No, um, no, it was, it was quite surprising when watching it, actually. I was like, surely he's going to be like 10 seconds on the road by like, like 15, 18, mm. something like that. But he wasn't. It's only like three, four seconds on the road from Alonso. wasn't really pushing it. I know the tyres weren't the best. Yeah, I think they were unsure with their tyres, uh, with the mediums. Yeah. And I think they, could... they were afraid to push them. Yeah, but I think it would have been a different kettle of fish if we didn't have the massive rain from the night before mm. where it basically washed all the rubber away so it might have been that's why the team sort of held back a little bit just to make sure they could get at least 20 laps in before they made the switch to the hard which they knew probably could do three races rather than <laughs> just one yeah. in the end though obviously Verstappen did pitch uh, for his mediums and was behind Perez did have to overtake him to be fair to Perez he didn't make it easy for him he definitely gave him a good fight it a good fair fight it wasn't hard but it wasn't easy was it it was sort of in the middle it was respectable but sort of didn't say and wave on through like like Lewis did with George. Yeah. <laughs> so fairly the Perez for making that somewhat uh, somewhat uh, we needed that. contests uh, at least. Well, at least in a contest, in like he fought back. He was he was never yeah, going to yeah. keep him he... behind. No, no, not a chance, not a chance. But uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting on the weekend where Horner talked about how the, how the lengths they go to to make sure they get them fair racing, and he thanked Perez on the radio afterwards for racing Max fairly. It does feel like we're brewing for a collision at some point between these two. We haven't had, like, apart from... I don't think so. I think we're... I don't know, man. I th- I, st- I still think we're boiling in that direction. Not yet. Not yet. No win here. To be fair, like... If we're at this, this point, if it's back and forth with wins for the rest of the season, then fair enough. But I don't think it will be. Mm. At the, the rate that we're going to get to a point sooner or later where it's all max tracks. There's not going to be very many street circuits... Which apparently Perez is king of the streets, so you know, we won't see any street circuits <laughs> till the end of the year after Monaco, really. So I'd expect Max to sort of kick it up a notch and Perez sort of to fade away a little bit, like he did last year, pretty much in the midpoint of the year. He didn't really capitalise that well. And all the teams are sort of resurging, then hmm. we'll, we'll see. I know we've had a flashpoint between Hamilton or between. Uh... Verstappen and Russell, but we haven't had a high-profile collision yet between the top four teams. No, not yet. Not yet. Not After yet. I don't f- think we will. So, what? Austria, maybe? Silverstone? Silverstone's a good shout, usually. Yeah. Silverstone, normally, just because there's just so many opportunities. Austria, uh, would normally, to be fair, turn four Austria or turn five, whatever it is, his class does now, where Lewis and George are famous for taking people out quite often. <laughs> Um, that's normally a good place for it to yeah end. very true so anyway just we'll move on to winners and losers at the weekend we're just with that got, in mind just might as well just chill Red Bull straight in the top because it's the only 
very clear one I have, I would say. Yeah. Oh, look, obviously, Verstappen make you up for that. It was a self-admitted error. Like he just he very was yeah. very transparent with that and just didn't get the lap in in qualifying. Yeah, yeah. Just to, it's, it's very easy to go wide. A lot of drivers were struggling with that sort of section throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, and Max just got caught out by it. It was it was a bit all over the place before he even got to turn six, I believe, as well. He sort of lost a little bit and then it just went again. So, yeah. But he made up for it, so that's all that matters, I guess. Definitely. Uh, moves on to 38 race wins, which obviously ties him with Sebastian Vettel for wins at Red Bull. Yeah, which, which is, is crazy. Yeah. I didn't... When you think about you go back three years. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the thing. Like, this is the thing I've always said. Like, you, have, you, you have a few seasons like this, and you're, you revolt up the standings. Like, Who's next on the, on the hit list? Uh, I uh, Senna, I believe, on 41. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But like, by the fourth of the start of 2021, it was 10, he had 10 wins, I think, to his name. Mm. 10 in 2021, was it 14 and 22? Yeah. And now he's won three so far. So, yeah, it's crazy how how you can just vault up like this. Hamilton was a similar situation. I think the big, the big, like it was 14, 15, 16 for Hamilton that he just suddenly ended up on, it was like 50 something in the end. Because he, he had about what? Did he have twenty or something? Thirty before? Like, yeah. Did he really have thirty wins before he joined Mercedes? Must have been. That's crazy. Um, but you know, three seasons of ten wins a season or so plus. Um, there was more. I know at fourteen and fifteen. Uh, and then you're in the sixties, and like it's just crazy. Like it, you, you chip away at it for a few years, as Verstappen and Hamilton did in those earlier years, and like you have three good seasons, like you just vault up. It's crazy. Yeah, it is really is man. How quick it goes. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be a weird one when he overtakes Vettel, who I always thought was like, is, you know, you. We obviously we watched F one when he was there, and like, like he was the Red Bull driver. Do you know what I mean? Like he was, mm. it was him. Uh, and I think it's probably still will be until you know maybe Verstappen. You know, wins you know four or five championships. Yeah. Still uh, that contract, on, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think Max will, if it, if it goes to the race going now, Max will definitely retire when that contract's done. Hundred percent. Uh, he opens up a fourteen-point lead ahead of Perez, so it uh, kind of puts that back to where it was, where it was last week. So yeah, just next weekend. We're not much else to read to say. Uh, some good, nice overtakes. Uh, the double one. I know they were easy, but the, the double overtake down the main straight was nice. Even though it was again, yeah, pretty you simple. Just, yeah, well, you sort of predict what was going to happen, couldn't he? You could sort of see them two are going to go side by side and then just set himself up for it. And then, yeah, the, the straight line speed of the Red Bull with DRS is just mental. They're, I don't know. Reads on past. Yeah, I don't know what tricks they've employed for that DRS effect, where it's insane. Yeah, it's clever, regardless. But like, it's so clever. Other teams haven't been able to implementer yeah like it's it's not the engine it's just purely their rear wing and drs like it's given such an enormous difference of flipping uh, and, and their tires as well to do. yeah it, it must be something to do with that rear end there's something something is weird about it and i don't know what it is but <laughs> it's just it's not right yeah <laughs> it is obviously legal but yeah it's crazy uh, the difference, but yeah, uh, just just a quick one of them for just Perez, just look damage limitation P two, P two and pole. Can't can't be mad at that really, can you? Yeah, first the championship five. Yeah, first non Jetta pole for uh, Perez. Yeah, third pole of this of his career. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, not too, like I couldn't. You put up a, put up a good fight, and yeah, but it was just love most of the race. It's just yeah, it was just clear that it was just yeah that stint. You could see it coming as soon as soon as you saw the hards with the better race tired. You just knew Max had it in the back. Yeah, and Max didn't sort of get bogged down in traffic. Yeah, it was a job job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the weekend for I'd say uh, Fernando Alonso in third, uh, fourth podium out of five. He's finished third or fourth this season. That's it. Uh, yeah. A little bit closer to the Red Bulls this time in terms of he's 21 seconds or so behind Perez. So that's <laughs> a something. <laughs> a little bit closer. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, it's going to stand to reason though. Like, there's not every track is going to have such a straight line speed advantage. It's going, there's going to be a track where Alonso's going to be in the in the hunt and you have to think Monaco will be right up there. Monaco and Zambo. So 100%. it's going to be fun to see how that transpires. But look, Alonso is... He's biding his time, isn't he? He's uh, just waiting for this he's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the flashpoint to pop up and he'll be there to strike. Because at the moment, he's the only one that I can see that's really consistent enough to put himself in the position to pick up a win. Because everybody else doesn't want to fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is pretty, it's heading in that direction. But yeah, a clean weekend for him. Um, I thought he played the... Yeah, he was obviously... It was, it was science early on and then science overtook him with the undercut and uh, Alonso was clever in, uh, with the strategy and Aston Martin played that well. And uh, yeah, got the overtake done. I definitely think the pressure of it got to science. Yeah, with the pit lane entry, because um, it was it was the margin was tight. Uh, I think they probably expected Aston Martin to immediately respond, and they are yeah. pushing as such, not as you would with an undercut you're you're triggering. No but um, yeah, Alonso got that back and eventually pulled away in the end. It wasn't. Uh, he finished what about comfortable seven seconds ahead of Russell. But again, yeah, he, did, he had that in the pocket. Yeah, he? very much. He wasn't pushing. Everything was turned down at that point. But yeah, clean weekend. Yeah. Uh, he's still third. Uh, he's seventy. He's seventy-five points now. Do you know how much he had last year in total? I do know that Esteban Ocon had more than him, though. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, Eighty-one points is what Alonso had in the entirety of twenty twenty-two, and then twenty-one. It was eighty-one as well. Wow. So, so six more points and that's enough that's for it. you, yeah? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so no, no, I just think he's just going to finish P10 a couple of races now and just sort of max it out so he doesn't retire. take off on all that. Yeah. yeah. I did think it was funny that, um, how he, he, was, he was laughing in practice when Ocon blocked him and he's like, these, Al- these Alpines, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're fighting in the practice. This is their moment. Yes, and also shout out to... Alonso for uh, reacting to his teammates overtake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think he was hoping it was a little bit higher than P13, though. Yeah. Um, it is actually a minor concern, though, because they're only six points ahead of Aston Martin. Or, sorry, ahead of Mercedes or Aston Martin. And Alonso is 75 of those. Stroll only has 27 of those. This this double point scoring Mercedes thing uh, where they're getting more yeah. than Stroll is is going to be a, and we talked about this as potentially being a problem where you, the, the case for St- Lawrence Stroll um, getting someone else in other than Lance because it costing you know it could easily cost him a P2 in the standings if he doesn't book up his ideas because this double Mercedes car isn't going anywhere Alonso's pulling his weight Stroll's not pulling his yeah and you've got to imagine for I was surely gather out together sooner or later mm-hmm I'm, I'm praying. Um, you, you, I can cut Stroll a little bit of slack because he was in the points and was in front of both Mercedes and Jeddah, I believe, before his engine decided to go kaput. Yeah. 
So there is probably another ten points on top True. of that, but he's still got at least half of what Alonso's got. If he, I would say, if he's at least with within twenty five percent of Alonso, twenty five to thirty percent, then I would say that's where he needs to be. But he's just not there. He's gone about what forty eight, fifty points right now. To I'd say to like be where I think he should be, where that car should be anyway. At least. Yeah, I mean Russell's got forty with his car, so yeah, and he's been jammy in certain races so yeah yeah not, not the best. like you say it's not entirely Stroll's fault like it wasn't his like no. the tire stuff and obviously the engine in, in Jeddah so but yeah it, that is going to be a problem because like you obviously you look at the, the three driver pairings between Mercedes Ferrari and Aston Martin Aston Martin as a pairing is clearly weaker than well depending how you feel about science but it's even still I put <laughs> Leclerc and science above Alonso and Stroll no you wouldn't no, because Alonso's better than both Leclerc and Sainz put together. So, yeah, at least if, but, but, I, I will. Like, I'm not the like. I'll come to the defense of Sainz in this one. When he gets it going, he, you know, obviously he's better than Stroll. But... Yeah, but it's it's just not very often. At the moment, no. I've seen like two races in the last two years where he's got it going, and one of them was where he won, and then the other one I can't even remember. The thing is, the race he won wasn't even. I would say he had it no. specifically going. <laughs> No, he didn't. That's the thing. He, he made the most of it when he got the opportunity. Definitely. But his teammate had half a fucking full wing <laughs> and, and was six tenths a lap quicker than him. Yeah. Madness. Uh, anyway, yeah, but a good weekend for Aston Martin. This is, yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for when it's not a P3. It will happen at some stage. It definitely will. Oh, it'll be a P2 next. I it'll think. just be a win. Um, yeah. You have to imagine. Red Bull, I reckon that Red Bull's due a retirement sooner or later. So, based on all the uh, parts they've had to take recently. So, mm. yes, um, so who, who else do you have as a winner of the weekend? George. Just for the race, this is bearing in mind. Picking up a P4 where I didn't really expect him to be on the pace, considering, like you say, they should have been knocked out in Q2, mm-hmm. both of them. To come away with a P4, that's a massive dub. That's a huge win for him. And his overtake on science, I believe, was, was fucking sexy. It's very far back. Very, very nice. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Yeah, it was... I think I could, I'd i throw both Mercedes drivers in there just for their race. Having to make any you know, position from P13. His, like, race pace was good. I think anywhere where there's not a lot of... Like, the DRS isn't maybe as active as much sometimes. Maybe can help them with their... Because they're a bit, bit draggy. But uh, it was good to see yeah. from Hamilton on the hards. And, yeah, Russell... Yeah, obviously got the job done, job done the signs. And the P4, look, finishing ahead of both Ferraris and an Aston Martin. That's a good weekend's work. Yeah, I only had Lewis in there because of qualified. That was the only reason I'd not. Yeah, down. that's fair. Um, Bukerson for him. Uh, obviously, it was like, it was very interesting to hear him talk on the radio about how he wouldn't basically get out of the way for George. The, the, and then obviously when that message was played, and then obviously basically immediately moved over. I think the reason why he moved over is because it was more so his battle. I think it was more so just to stay within DRS. Yeah, he benefited from being in George's DRS. Yeah, I think I think that's George all there was Clubber. to it. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Easier to stay that way. Yeah, lose a little amount of time through there as well. But uh, yeah, it was the comments for them all weekend were fairly negative, like talking about uh, kick, kicking Lewis the gut and straight away in the race, like we're not going to finish the race here. Yeah, very weird. It was very yeah. strange. He gets very so defeatist for someone who's yeah, for someone who prides himself on still I rise. To to be fair, there might have been an issue that we don't know about. Considering that one where he's like, we're not going to finish the race because he was saying there was a lot of bouncing and stuff. But he was just sliding around like he was very. He was on. It was fascinating watching him on the opening lap on the hearts. It was 
Very slippy. Yeah, I, I said to you that was a, a recipe for disaster based on the previous two times the Mercedes have done that. Three times, four times, in yeah. fact. It's always gone to shit. That's the first time it's probably gone well. It's worked. It worked out in the sense they they didn't retire from the race. He didn't gain any positions. No, he was still stuck behind Albon for a long time. Fifteen laps or so, mm, which yeah. he should have been able to breeze past in terms of their race pace. Just that Williams is a rocket. Yep, the latest car to be stuck behind a Williams for a long period of time. And uh, mm. I probably Hulkenberg was stuck behind him at the end as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, good result for Mercedes. Six points off Aston Martin. Considering their start, see, that's an excellent start for the season for Mercedes, all these considered. Yeah. And next up is their fabled upgrade. So we're going to see really what's what. Um, this falls into the 2018 McLaren line for me, where like, if it's if they're still a second off the pace or so, then it's a real slap in the face back to the drawing board thing because like they, you so know, funny. they've been, a lot of hope is riding on this upgrade. And if it doesn't deliver, then I it's going to be, yeah. They're que- it's not even for twenty. Like they've got their serious question marks are going to be for twenty twenty four. Not for this. They, this this car will be a write off basically. Yeah, but it's next year. It's a bit of write off. <laughs> but it's the next year that it's going to be the the issue when it comes to like yeah. if that upgrade doesn't really work. Mm. So yeah, but look, look a good weekend nevertheless. Yes, um, I'm going to give the winner of the weekend to. I'm going to get Kevin Magnussen the winner of the weekend. Yeah, I have him down as a winner. Uh, P4 in qualifying was obviously a little bit... Now, look, to be fair, the Haas was showing great pace. Both cars should have got through the Q3. Uh, for whatever reason, Magnussen was just a lot more comfortable with the car this weekend than Hulkenberg was. Yeah, but it was the complete opposite last time out, so... Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. For, I'd say the first weekend, I think Magnussen's been comprehensively better than Hulkenberg. Uh, this first time that Magnussen out-qualified Hulkenberg this year... Uh, and he's still only got a few points to Hulkenberg six, but excellent pace from Magnussen. Uh, P four was obviously a bit more than probably the back before, but in the race, overtake like deciding nah, I'm stuck behind Charles Leclerc here. I, I need to, I need to get by. I'm being held back here, overtaking <laughs> Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. Mad. I was not happy. I was not happy at this. <laughs> Naturally. That car should have been breezing past that house, but no. Not a chance. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, look, eventually the race pace settled in and Magnussen couldn't hold on and lost out to the Alpines in the end. But like a P10, that's a good result, even still. Especially mm. when points are so... For, from fifth downwards, points are so critical for every single team. Like, yeah. you've got McLaren Alpine tied in four, with 14 and fifth. Haas now in seventh on eight. Alfa Mayer on six points, Alfa Tari two points, Williams one. Like from fifth to tenth, a good weekend vaults you right up the field essentially in down that midfield. Like that's 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 it's a testament of a how much the top four teams are ahead of the rest, but um, and how little points are available. You have to take and grab these opportunities, and that's what Magnussen did. Yeah. He was, he was a little bit unhappy with. Uh, I think he hoped to finish a little bit higher up than he actually did, but. Difficult to restop because the again the Alpines their pace was good like they weren't a million miles away from the Clerk and Hamilton like they like Gassi was only four seconds away from Hamilton in in the end. Yeah, it was. So their pace is good and uh, Oka wasn't a million miles behind either. And now Gassi had to I think Gassi had to save some fuel as well at the end as well. So mm. um, yeah, but their their pace is good and Magnussen wasn't too far behind them either. Like he was only four seconds behind Ocon. It's a good yeah. weekend for them. No, yeah, on a weekend where they'd just been absolutely slated off by the, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I've, we'll give them a win of the weekend for their performance on track at least. Uh, yeah. Alpine, a P8 and a P9. Again, finishing ahead of an Aston Martin and getting that extra point. Because basically, like, I do think they're the fifth, they're definitely the fifth fastest team. They've got yeah. four clearly fast rated cars in front of them that are, under any normal circumstances, we saw in Baku, they're going to take the top eight places, which only leaves ninth and tenth. Um, and that's all Alpine can really do right now, unless the others in front of them either retire or have a mistake or a situation where a stroll couldn't get get through the field. Eighth and ninth is the best that they can do for now. And they did it. And again, it, it's it's not the result. It's just more so like their pace. Mm. It's good. Like it's it's genuinely good. And I, I, I'm infuriated watching. They're so frustrating. I don't enjoy them as an outfit given how they've handled their situations. And it's, they're so frustrating to watch with how they do I things. We, we talked about it last year as well, but... It was uh, nothing exaggerated at this point more than you got Esteban Ocon, who was going late into the race. His pace was very good. Like, he was able to dice it with Sainz, who had made a stop. Now, I know Sainz's pace dropped off in that second stint, but against a car that hadn't made a stop, his pace was good. They were going back and forth. I know Sainz made that mistake and that let Ocon through, but mm. pace was really good. And they were fighting Hamilton for a position here. And in, all the time, they were telling him about Albon. Who was not? Who was behind Bottas? Even like it was like. What is it? Wasn't even in the picture. No, but Hamilton clearly was, and they brought the Mercedes in beforehand, and then they reacted like two or three or four laps later than Alpine. Again, just talking about Albon. Where I let you know where Albon is. It's like, why are you doing this? Like you're fighting Hamilton. You've got pace to dice it with Hamilton. And the Mercedes, why are you... It was so frustrating. It's like, oh, my like, guys, you're driving me mad. Can you... Like, I can see it here. Can you not see it with your data? Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You've got all these data points and we're just saying, like, we can see this. Why can't you? Oh, it's... <laughs> but that's that's what happens when you're an amateur, Graham. So... <laughs> yeah. On the weekend, crazy statements and comments coming from uh, Alpine CEO, Lauren Rossi. though. They're, they're warranted because there've been some very silly mistakes, mm-hmm. which they 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 could have been a lot better off. Bahrain was an absolute shit show. Australia, there was on for an absolute fantastic result. Bearing, yeah, it was one in a million chance of that accident happening. And to be fair, but it happened. Both of them wiped out where they should have got at least double points. Yeah, and then yeah, like you say, focusing on the wrong driver today. And, yeah, it's just it's just silly, silly things, pit stop errors and all this mess strategies and yeah. yeah. Um, so this comment so that Rossi said to French broadcaster Canal Plus, he talked about how the, the he said that that was disappointing. I want to say even bad. He went on to say, finally this year we started with a performance deficit on one hand and also an execution deficit. That's a lot and it shows. Because we are in a position that is not all worthy of the resources invested. And we are far, very far, from the final objective of the year. What I see is there's certainly a lack of performance, as I say. A lack of rigour in the execution. But also potentially a frame of mind that is not at the level of what has been accomplished by this same team in the past. Talking about 2005 and 2006. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I didn't like the first Grand Prix because there's a lot of, and I'm sorry to say this, but amateurists. That led to a result that was not the right one, that was mediocre, bad. Then in the last race in Baku looked an awful lot like the one in Bahrain. And that is not acceptable. The thing the thing with Baku is, like I'm saying the back the, the Baku thing is 
that was like that was a good result for them. It was like it was just considering. Well, for 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 Gasly more so, but uh, yeah, I think he's more talking about like assembly errors and that kind of thing that led to some of these failures. Mm. Um, he went, he said the right the right to make mistakes. It is a basic principle. Mistakes are what we learn from. However, when you make the same mistakes twice, it means you haven't learned and that you aren't taking responsibility, and that is not acceptable. He, he is right, as brutal as it sounds. He's I, the one time I'm actually going to agree with yeah with him. I, I I can fully put my hand on on his on his on this and say yeah you, you spot on. So. But, Saying that, time for change, maybe. Yeah, there's rumors that there is that are going to be changes coming. I don't know if Otmar will be involved in these. He's been very, very quiet, hasn't he? I have not heard a peep out of Otmar for a while. Not since the start of the season, really. No, yeah, not heard anything. Uh, and I don't know how that bodes. Uh, I don't think it bodes well. But where do they go? Because it would have to be either someone com- completely outside the box, or you go. And try and rob someone else, but all the good yeah. people have sort of been signed up. Yeah, you just lost Mekis if you want to do that. That, that ship yeah. sailed. Yeah, that's gone. So, unless there's someone else from somewhere else, like from another team, yeah, like you want to go get. I mean, I mean, who would you think at the top of your head? There isn't anybody off the top of my head. Because all the people, like I said, are all tied down. You sort of screwed yourself. Yeah, or just move somewhere and not go, yeah, go anywhere. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Unless you what go and with your hand and hand your tail and sort of say to um oh what's his name <laughs> eric boulier oh sort of say, save us jean Lacey. yeah save us yeah a good weekend for them pace wise they're Watched. back they're back <laughs> oh can you imagine going back to that after the way that ended mm. uh yeah but like a good weekend for them they're back up to tight fifth which is where they should be but yeah. yeah, fourteen points in five races. In five races, or well, technically six is not great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but like yeah, they they got a good result, and they, again, I still their pace is promising. They're close. I do think I genuinely believe yes, they're close. The, the thing, the thing is, Graham, when you're okay with getting mediocre results, you will get mediocre results. When you have mediocre drivers as well, that also plays into it as well. No, the, the the thing is, I don't think them dri- that driver pairing is bad. It's not bad. It's, it's average. It's just not. It's just not amazing. Yeah. But they sh- they should be able to bring in P nine and P ten on that with that car. Yeah. Easily. Definitely. Easily. I definitely agree. Uh, I'm going to give one of the weekend to Yuki Tsunoda again. Right. I was going to mention this. My man is the most consistent driver <laughs> here, apart from Fernando. Mm-hmm. Results since the Abu Dhabi. 2022 Grand Prix, P11, 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 P10, P10, P11. Yeah, <laughs> it's one or the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's yeah, been, he was, he's, he was great again. Uh, he, it was unfortunate he couldn't quite make up the ground to Magnussen at the end there. Uh, yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah, mind, we're, we're both in agreement this is the 10th fastest car, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It's close. The Williams, the Williams is better in qualifying and on race pace. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's very say it's, it's not a lot. You're probably talking a tenth, if that. It's very close between Alfa Romeo, Williams, and Alfatari. I think it's close. And you, like like we saw Alfa Romeo going to Q3, yeah, they had a better weekend than Q3. Yeah, Alfatari going to Q3 is no. literally track dependent. So, but yeah, it's, it's just very strange that he sort of matured when he can't really move up anymore. 
Yeah, it's funny. But, like he's driving at his best when the, he's driving probably the worst, like the the worst car he's had of the three. But it might be the most one that suits him the best. You don't Maybe. know. I mean, it it just might like the characteristics of this car. So you don't know, do you? Yeah. But I, I sort of slamming Nick DeVries into the ground, isn't he? It's, uh, Very much so. I think I think Sonoda's doing a great job. Yeah, which is interesting compared to our views at the start of the season when we were, were sort of unsure where which way it was going to go. Yeah, like in the preseason predictions. The thing we were with, both very sort of stuck. The thing with DeVries is like I don't like the I thing with DeVries is like yeah, DeVries is, the thing with DeVries before the season is like is there something we're missing because everything that we've seen up to this point is like thinking maybe average F1 driver at best. Uh, but like the teams that every team he's been at rating them so highly and the way they speak about it I was like is there something we're missing here there must be not so far anyway um, but we'll get to DeVries but I want to focus on Sonoda more so um, Christian Horner talked about during the week that about Sonoda's improvements he, he, he did say he's not Red Bull level yet but this is good like this is this is good stuff no probably not but I mean he's set himself up for a very good mid team yeah very, very good Honda well Aston Martin please <laughs> no that'll never happen imagine no not a chance but yeah I'm loving it I think he's been I know we've got like Alonso and Verstappen and Perez in starring roles but honestly the he's driver been I've been in, yeah, the driver I've been impressed by the most outside of those is definitely Yuki Tsunoda yeah 100% in terms of maturing, yeah. yeah 100% so again, we need to see it continue like it's been great so far five races he's been very consistent with a bad car he's got in the points and it's again, he's gone to the point where it's very difficult to do so with these, with how close these top four teams are taking up six or seven of the points now immediately instead of like say an Alpine or a McLaren finishing sixth or seventh now. Like it's, you know, these there's fewer places for these teams, and that's why it's so close down there. And he's mm. gone into the points twice here. Yeah, probably could have done it again if his team didn't take him out. But you know, <laughs> in the sprint. I just yeah I think he's been excellent so yeah what a weekend for Yuki Sonoda um, mm-hmm. I'll give a mini one here for Valtteri Bottas just for the Q3 100% Q3 got into Q3 for the first time this season uh, I believe but the the pace wasn't there in the car but I thought he had a good weekend a good response to the shite show that was Baku mm. very good response considering uh, had the better of his teammate this weekend as well um, the page just wasn't there that's, that's all there was to it and Joe was only 7 seconds or behind Bottas that's the difference between P13 and P7, uh, P16 yeah so they were close enough uh, just Bottas had the, had the edge this weekend I think they were both happy enough I think to be fair just the pace wasn't there in the car but it was just a better weekend for Alfa Romeo even though it didn't result in any points mm. so where do you want to go do you have any other winners of the weekend I don't really no I have. We've got a lot in the middle, I feel like. I don't, actually. Um, I throw I, Carlos Sainz in the middle. Uh, no. Not a chance. I, I throw him in the middle. Again, you know me. I'm not the biggest Sainz fan here at Ferrari. I like him at other teams. I just haven't liked him at Ferrari, so to speak. I've not been especially vocal, or especially... Um, I've not been especially... I don't want to say supportive, but I just... Uh, <laughs> um, mm. I'm not, not his number one fan. Yeah, let's put it that way. But I thought his first stint in was good in this race. He got himself a P3, which maybe, again, maybe it was a bit of a further than he deserved, but he definitely looked a bit more comfortable in the, of the two Ferrari drivers. I think Leclerc's, yeah, I think he had issues mm-hmm. that he was struggling with, with setup and um, not wanting to crash the car again. But Sainz did look a bit more comfortable. His pace definitely dropped off. 
yeah. in the second stint pretty badly on hearts. Like he was dicing with Alonso, finished 16 seconds behind Alonso. That was all the second stint. Mm. All the second stint. Yeah. But um, I thought he was fine. Like he's he's I've, he's not been good this season, and yet he shit has another P five. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's got results somehow. Uh, he's on. He's in fifth place with forty four points. His teammates got thirty four. Now I know there's a retirement in there, etc. But yeah, two retirements. But <laughs> still, I thought science was okay. Mm. So I thought he was okay. Uh, we've mentioned the Alpines. Stroll did what he could in the race. I don't know why he wanted. Like he wasn't happy with the strategy, but like what else was he going to do other than go long on hearts and hope he, that his pace he should have done what McLaren did. I think that was the call. Just undercut early, yeah. Just undercut early. Just get out of the way of the traffic and undercut that Williams. He would yeah. have been fine. They didn't have the pace to pull that off. He definitely would have. But yeah. in saying that, Hamilton made it work and he got up to P six. Yeah. Stroll was a lot further down. Yeah, very fair point. I think that definitely was a problem. He was stuck in... Yeah. What train was he stuck in? I think he was stuck in the... I know there's a Williams involved. I think Albon was involved. Hulkenberg. There was just lots of squabbling in that. There was like five, six cars, I think it was. Yeah, it was It was deep. He couldn't... Yeah, it's a fair point. They should have boxed him and just two-stopped him. It would have got... I quite easily think I would have got into the points. I don't know about a two-stop. No one did a two-stop. Everyone did the one-stop in the end. And safety car would have definitely played into their their strategy oh yeah safety yeah probably the biggest reason why they didn't probably box was just for that because if they if safety car comes out then a lot of people i think pit from their mediums and he get gains track position mm. even though he probably loses it later on having to make his own stop but you never know whether safety cars that come out so i get it but yeah he was just in the middle he made some good overtakes he made an almighty send like alonso was saying i think it was on oh who was it on i think it was on joe Maybe it was on a... Yeah, I think it was on Joe. One of those two, anyways. Um, but yeah, some nice moves for Stroll, but yeah, just couldn't make it work in the end. Yeah. Um, he, he, Albon. Yeah, Albon in the middle. He had a quite detailed... He was not He was not happy with the strategy in the race for a start. Yeah, um, he was very unhappy with having to push so hard. Yeah. He, t- he was quite extensive on the radio after the race. Talked about how... Basically, he wasn't happy with the brakes, I think, and how the feeling... Talked about how like if he went if he did one thing, other cars would just break ten to twenty minutes later than him, or go on his outside or inside. Like he, he the way he described it on the radio after, basically he felt like he was a no win situation. Mm. Um, again, the first thing was fine. It was just yeah, just as the longer the stint went on, and obviously Hamilton got him, and other cars got him, um, just didn't really have it. So bit of a struggle. This track would not have thought, I would have thought, played to their strengths. And I think they tried, that was the message they tried to get to him afterwards, was that there'd be other races where this track will play to our strengths. This was not going to be one of them. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem again that, that Williams is harsh on its tyres. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, it seems like the window for that car seems very, very fine. Hmm. And that gives it limitations um, when you're not on a track that's got a lot more straight lines to be independent. So, a good result for Albon, I think, considering. Like, he finished ahead of, you know, two McLarens, a Haas, which showed great pace, an Alfa Romeo, and, uh, you know, so I think he's done, and an Alfa Tari, I finished ahead of him as well. Yeah. I think he's done well, it's just that he couldn't do a whole lot more. Um, Joe, I have in between as well. Not a ton off his, of, a t- off, of his pace of his teammate, but just kind of in between. Um, 
Yeah, three to say about that, really. Um, Didn't say anything of him. No. <laughs> I was on board with him once or twice. Um, yeah, it was. You made some overtakes here and there. You did have a good battle with, I think it was Piastri. Yeah. Um, so sort of De Vries, to be fair, but um, it's one of the losers of the weekend. Uh, let's just start with Shia Leclerc. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Crashed twice in the same place. Yeah. Carl was all over the place from what he was saying on the team radio during the race. Didn't have any confidence in it, I want to say, which is why he was scared to push, because otherwise he'd end up in the wall again. And that's what he's crashed more times now than what Mick Schumacher crashed in the entire tip last season, which is bizarre. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the key difference is that he hasn't sliced his car in half twice. Yeah, it, it's, it's not as much. It's literally front wings and quite a gearbox. He's on the fourth, the third gearbox, I believe, now, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. So that'll be coming, but I, I think the one will be fine. It wasn't that big of a hit. It would just be a precautionary one so they can send it back to Maranello and get it choked over. Yeah, he talked about kind of having to go a bit too aggressive with the setup, and that probably cost him not just in terms of his comfortable uh, comfortability with the with the car, but obviously with this the second crash. I think it definitely played in his mind. He did, I think he wasn't quite a hundred percent. Yeah, and it, yeah, it probably killed the tire tire temps as well doing that. Mm-hmm. Which was obviously the like we said earlier, parallels are these parallels are prone to overheating, which is why he was struggling very early on in the race. Seemed to come good at the end though. Yeah, they were happier with the tire management later on in the in that medium stint as well. So it did, kind of did come back to them a little bit. Eventually got Magnussen. Uh, a couple of took took him a couple of attempts. Mm. Fair play to Magnussen for fighting back. Um, it'd be easy to say eyes in a Ferrari, you know. Off he goes. Uh, he would. So well, that's why I expected to happen. Yeah, but, but no, <laughs> did not, was not the case. Uh, yeah, again, he was he couldn't couldn't hold on against Hamilton in the end either. Um, was bleeding time. So it was unfortunate, but yeah, I just think uh, just a couple of mitigating circumstances with the setup and the accident kind of playing into his head as well. Mm. So we got the results that we got on the P7 for Leclerc. Yeah, disappointing uh, for sure. Uh, loser of the weekend. Uh, probably the biggest loser, I would think, overall, even more so. Like Leclerc will be fine. He'll bounce back. Um, McLaren, I'm a little bit more worried about. Yeah, I was very surprised to see where they were. You know, a good weekend for them in Baku at a track where it wasn't going to get the most out of the upgrade, you'd have to say. Mm. And we come to a place that's a bit more like a normal track, so to speak, compared to Baku. And a double elimination in Q1 for the first time since 2018. Yeah. And a P17 and a P19 for Norris and Piastri. Um, look, I if you look at through the, like you can look at that through the lens of they bought their big upgrade, they're still here. Again, it's worth it's worth I guess reminding that this is the upgrade that they should have they 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 have the kind of they should have had at the start of the year. Yeah. And of course, other teams have brought development since the start of the first the first race. Mm. So naturally, that's you know they might be a little bit further behind. But yeah, not not great. I'm we'll see. I don't know. Miami could be a bit of a weird one with a. With it, I think they tried roll dice with strategy at least. Getting off, they started on the softs and got off them early. Tried to undercut into space, didn't really yeah, they work. Did, they did the right thing. I just don't think they had the pace. Yeah, they were nowhere. Like uh, Norris was about ten seconds off of the nine seconds off of Joe, and mm. Piastri was a lap down. Um, yeah, and he couldn't like De Vries was able to outduel Piastri. That was that was tough. No, the, the thing is, Piastri had a long brake pedal. He did. Yes, there was yes, that issue. For that him. was because Piastri was ahead of Norris. 
because Norris had they got punted by De Vries at the start. Mm-hmm. Piazza just made a great start. He was up to, I think he made like five places. Yeah, he did. So he made a great start, and then Norris got absolutely shafted by De Vries. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, but a rough weekend for them. We'll see. We don't know. I don't know if Norris had any damage or what the story was. But then, um, yeah, mm. disappointing weekend for them certainly. And De Vries, I mean, De Vries was just. He, bit of an error into turn one but I didn't think he was like he was just slower than his teammate he could fight with Piastri yeah. to be fair but just don't have anything else to say oh lose a weekend of love for Logan Sargent do you think yeah. do you think the pressure of being the homeboy and their home race do you think it was oh, too yeah, much of course yeah definitely it seemed like it was yeah um, P20 in qualifying P20 in the race tough one for him uh, I think it was I think he probably Expected a little bit too much. Mm. And being referred to as the hometown hero every five seconds when mentioned didn't help. What do you mean? <laughs> so he was, was a hometown hero. It was a rough one. He had better races. Um I think his start has been has been decent. It's just these last few races haven't gone to plan. So Yeah. Unfortunate, but yeah, it'll be it'll be better, I'm sure, away from away from oh, there. Um nothing really doing then in the driver standings afterwards. Again, it is still a fourteen gap 14 point gap um hamilton's still in fourth and 56 points he's 90 behind alonso yeah nothing really the only thing that really changed was uh ghastly moving ahead of hulkenberg into the top 10 hmm. that's about it uh only point drivers not to have points so far are sergeant and devries yeah not sure who's going to break that for i would assume sergeant maybe I'm first sergeant. sergeant if devries gets points first i'm gonna I would be surprised if he gets points first, yeah. Mm. But uh, Alan is just the one, of course. So yeah, there we go. That's there. Uh, is there anything else you want to add for uh, the Miami Grand Prix? I thought oh, it was um, six and a half. I was. It was actually yeah, six. It was better than was people be- thought. It was better than Baku. We just didn't get to see it. Yeah, that was the problem. The, t- I was, the TV direction was shot. It was bad. Like I, like I was on board for for. Like, I, I get to. I'm lucky to have F1 TV, and I get to. I can choose two on boards to be on. Like, I've got the monitors, so I could just. I have one. My main feed in the middle, and on board of choice, left and right. And there's there's something going on for most of the race. Only, only at the end, I would say, it did not a lot happen. But generally speaking, for most of the race, there was something going on somewhere. So it wasn't as bad yeah. as it appeared. You just didn't get to see it. Did you even get to see in the end Carl Sainz running wide at turn six that allowed Ocon through? No, don't see that. Um, we were too busy watching replays. Because I, I think people just assumed that Sainz was uh, just overtaking Ocon because Ocon hadn't stopped. Sainz was ahead of Ocon, ran wide yeah. at turn six. Ocon got back through. Didn't see Perez run wide either. Apparently he nearly binned it yeah. during the race, during his, his uh, stint when he lost time to Max. Um, yeah, didn't see a lot of things. Uh, the Norris pit pit stop thing didn't uh, pit lane thing didn't no, nobody either. saw that. Yeah, to be fair, but there's yeah there's there's plenty going on as trains ahoy. Like it was there's lots of close racing, lots of overtakes, which I was surprised by, given that the track was somewhat somewhat green after the some little bit of shower. Mm. Um, but I think overall, like I do think it was an improvement on the as a whole. I know the stage can kind of bunch things up a little bit later on in last year's race, but. As a whole, I thought the race was solid. I, th- I think it could be it could be better as well. Um, I think it was good. I think it was a good, successful race, better than quite a number of ones we've already had. It was better than Baku, definitely, so. definitely. So yeah, I thought it was good, not great. Yeah, can't complain with that. Um, I think the 
consensus seems to be the track service was much better. It did seem yeah. to be much better. Yeah, so, definitely. There you go. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add at all? No, not really. That's it was a very mere weekend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was fine. Yeah. Not seeing all the action I would normally see didn't help. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it was, I thought it was six and a half, and I had the benefit of looking at onboards at all times with cars fighting. Yeah. You didn't, you know, you did not. The, probably the potential rain that never came. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah, I think that might spice it up a little bit, but definitely. Yeah. Uh, there was oh, well. there was Formula E on the Monte Carlo, which was fine. It was okay. Yeah, um, I watched I watched seventy percent of the race, and then my phone died. Hmm. I just, I just can't be arsed with Nick Cassidy. I just like, is there anyone more? Why? I'm just not interested. Like any other like driver, him. I mean, I like him. I'm not a fan. I just think any other driver could be more like, interesting. I like no, like I'm not massive on Buemi either. I don't know. Yeah, I can't get it's more behind Mitch Evans. Fourth, first time one nation has won four races in a row. Yeah, in Formula E. Yeah, two for Evans and two for Cassidy now for yeah. New Zealand. So he takes a 20-point lead now over Verline in second. They've gone yeah, to shit had, in qualifying. He had an absolute stinker of a race. Yeah, their qualif- now, his, his teammate hasn't helped him with overtaking. Both mm. Berlin and Monaco, it hasn't helped. Um, whereas Verline's lost there because of his teammate, essentially. But yeah. they, their problem is qualifying. They can't get it together in qualifying. And it's costing yeah, and- them. And the fact that the Jaguar powertrain just seems to be the one at the minute. So it's been, it was right, it was, it was close it was up there at the start, and they've kept going, and it just feels like that's where it's gone. Yeah, which is why you've got the Envision and the and the Jaguar team sort yeah. of at the front now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like the the Andretti's have got a better, they've, they've, they've managed to squeeze better results from the Porsche than the actual Works Porsche team. Yeah, I guess not too dissimilar to Mercedes and Aston Martin, mm. but um. Yeah, there was. I mean, having the Penske's come through the back was fun somewhat. Fern had a decent race. Yeah. Um. Yeah, action was fine for Monaco. It was fine. Yeah. It was bonkers close though. Like it. Like again, if you want close racing, I do recommend watching Formula E. hundred plus overtakes, I believe. So. Uh, yeah. So it shows it can be done. Um, they, those cars are smaller, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's it's, it's advertising for smaller cars. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't. I've never disagreed with. Anyway, mm. when's when's IndyCar back on? Uh, next week. Next week because it's the the month of May. Month of May. That's right. So what is it? Indianapolis. It's, first. it's Indianapolis Grand Street. Prix of Indianapolis. Yeah. Then it's Indy qualifying. Oh. And then it's Indy five hundred the following weekend. Oh, could be fun with the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. Going to be yeah, fun. Yeah. Cannot wait for the Indy 500 this year. My that is my birthday is going to be fantastic. What a day! Oh, Mon- Indy Monaco 500 on your birthday? Yeah, it's the oh, same day. God, yeah. love it. I actually can't wait. Mm-hmm. Same. Do we have any news on the IndyCar game at all? Oh, it got postponed. Oh, for f- oh. yeah, it was can- postponed till next year, I believe. Oh, I need it. <laughs> oh dear. Well, so you can practice them ovals, yeah. Yeah. Practice those ovals. Oh, I really want to wait, race an oval, man, on these sports. I really want to do it. Oh, I just want to race some of them American tracks, to be honest. Get Gran Turismo, man. Get your wheel. Get You have Gran Turismo. Get your wheel back, sword. No, I don't have the time for that. I know. We have all the energy. <laughs> uh, Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. Yeah, who knows? 
Um, I don't have anything else to add. I've no shite talk to add, really. Um, no, apart from that, just seeing the prices for a salad at the Miami Grand Prix in the uh, in the paddock <laughs> club. So, uh, yeah, if you found, if you've got a spare three hundred fifty dollars to spend on some strawberries, go go there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, cocktails and leads are expensive Jesus Christ <laughs> that takes the piss yeah. yeah you were pretty impressed though with um, uh, Andrea Kimi Antonelli's um, performance over the oh, weekend yes. what, what a man in what, GT3 what, what boy sorry boy ah yes it was in GT3 first ever race in GT3 driving for his I want to say it's his dad's team or something like that I, I read on Twitter and he slapped GT3 champions by 20 seconds DTM, etc. Yeah, absolute worldy of a performance on his first time out. <laughs> He's sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, crazy. Um, Ollie Behrman just turned eighteen. I actually didn't realize that no one else had led a practice qualifying and both races. Yeah, no one had topped all those sessions before. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I was so impressed. Yeah, even though he led the sprint race for all of two meters. <laughs> That's all it needed at the end. Still let it. Uh, still let it. That's right. So next week we've got there's an off week, uh, no race, of course. Thank getting up for, for the triple header. Yes, you're going to need it because there's a triple header coming up. Imola, Monaco, Spain. Yeah. Is that three? I, I was caught. I thought it was Spain first, and then I had to double check, and I was like, no, Spain's after Monaco this year. Yay. Yay. Well, at least it's a week apart. There's never any reason for that event to be two weeks apart. No, a week apart. I'm no chicane, so it should be good. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's gonna be. A, we'll talk about it next week, but yeah, it's gonna be a pretty, pretty big triple header for the season. I think you're gonna see a few things emerge, uh, and obviously with, with upgrades coming soon as well, with first European race, etc. Yeah, mm. it's going to be an interesting time of the year, possibly critical to Sergio Perez's title challenge. We're going to find out pretty quickly here. <laughs> title challenge. <laughs> Listen, man. Don't be silly. We're drawing. We're clutching at straws you, again. And this goes back to the That's larger close. problem of the season. You have to blame Mercedes and Ferrari for this as well. It's their yes. fault we're in this position with Red Bull at the top. I, 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 I put it 75% of Mercedes, though, for bringing in the TD, but in terms of them fucking up the car design. Yeah, yeah but like, if you're if you're not happy with Red Bull's dominance, blame Mercedes for that, yeah, but blame Ferrari and Mercedes for not doing a good enough job with their cars. Yeah. S- simple as. Red Bull smashed it. Um, and... The others have not been up to like you can't blame Aston Martin they're catching up and they've done a great job to inject something into the season yeah um, the fault is literally Ferrari's and Mercedes so yeah. good job chaps Hope uh, we do have some a slew of Ferrari upgrades coming pretty soon yeah don't don't, don't even go there so we'll uh, yeah we'll see and obviously Mercedes we'll see what really happens with that we had a new floor this weekend Graham, and went backwards so. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting with Aston Martin finally introduce an upgrade yeah it's going to be fun but yeah, that's all to come. Uh, until then, though, uh, that's going to be it for this week's edition of the Switch Back Formula 1 podcast. I've been Graham. I've been... I don't even know anymore. John Surtees, why not? Oh, I don't know why not? that name from there. <laughs> and uh, we shall see you, uh, see you next week.